Welcome to Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris, where we talk about relevant issues as it relates to individuals in grief as they navigate finances and the advisors who help them. We help clients in grief navigate financial matters. We also teach advisors how to emotionally and financially work with clients in grief through an unparalleled process. This week's episode is sponsored by Life After Grief Financial Planning and Life After Grief Consulting. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Life After Grief, Chris. I've gotten some questions in regards to talking about benefits specifically after a spouse or a life partner has passed away. Group benefits through an employer in particular. And I thought it would be kind of easier and prudent to really look at a benefit scenario that I've done with a client and kind of go from there. So previously, I worked for a broker dealer and they had a list of benefits. Like anyone else who is a W-2 employee working for anyone else. And so you have a benefits package that rolls around somewhere in the neighborhood of October, September, maybe as late as November, and you have to opt in or completely opt out. And so in particular, for our purposes, we're going to be talking about you as the primary on the benefits. So when I was helping my client out, she you know, was in a situation to where her husband passed away and we went through her benefits. And one of the things that I always encourage any client when there is a death in the family, specifically it's a husband and wife, is to make sure that you update your beneficiaries as soon as possible. And you can do that with the help of your financial advisor and or your estate planning attorney. So I typically will reach out to the estate planning attorney on behalf of my client uh, to make sure that we have the proper wording and the proper things in place to get the funds where my client ultimately wants to get them done. So typically in your list of benefits, you're going to have your medical benefits, you're going to have your dental benefits, you're going to have your eye benefits for vision, and then you're going to have some miscellaneous benefits around that. And also you're going to have insurance specifically like life insurance and possibly disability insurance and things of that nature. So a lot of people get tripped up and aren't necessarily uh, that up to date on what they all mean. I'm going to take this opportunity in this podcast to kind of go through them. Most folks are very familiar with the medical aspect. So with the medical aspect, you typically, and this isn't always the case, but you typically have three or so options. You can have a option that is limited to specific providers. You can have one where you can choose from a lot of different providers. And then you also have what's kind of newer in the last several years as a high deductible healthcare plan, which the premiums are lower, but you have a much higher deductible. And what I would encourage you is to really get with your financial planner to be able to construct a scenario and what's in your best interest because the worst thing that could happen is you select an insurance and one it's either too expensive for you to pay for monthly through your um, payroll 
or you're in a situation to where you select a high deductible plan and you're not able to afford basically the out-of-pocket expense. So knowing the difference and how to kind of get through that process and to make it an informed decision with your financial planner. And as an extension of that, there is a health savings account. A health savings account sometimes gets confused with a flexible spending account. And I'm going to explain them equally and within their own right. So a health savings account, it stays with you and rolls over year to year. So it's not in a situation to where you use it or you lose it. Common terminology. So in a calendar year, if you put in X number of dollars and you can set money aside for qualified medical expenses, it's pre-tax and money comes out pre-tax And again, there's a limit to what you can put in as an individual and what you can put in as a family. And the limit for the calendar year of 2022 is $3,650 per individual and per family. It's $7,300. I'm going to encourage you to go to the healthcare.gov website to explore a little bit more on this. But again, the health savings account, it is generally only allowable if you are participating in a high deductible healthcare program through your employer. Dental. And usually there's a couple of options that are there. You have what would be commonly considered uh, a PPO and or an HMO. A PPO, basically you have a well-rounded network of folks that you could select from. An HMO, you have select providers that you can select from. And I'm not going to get too technical on this podcast. I want to make it kind of uh, generic, but that is the difference. And also within your vision, uh, you have similar selections and it's it, it's not that many selections. Again, it really dependent on your employer, you know, the agreements they've had or made with other vendors, specifically in the healthcare provider space. And then I, what I'm going to also roll over to is life insurance. So typically and this isn't always the case, you will have a basic life insurance component with your employer. It's dependent if your employer provides it uh, first and foremost. And then you have what's called supplemental life insurance. The basic life insurance is predicated on your salary. So if your salary is $50,000, your basic life insurance would be $50,000, for example. And then you have the supplemental, and it can be any component of two times, generally up to 10 times your salary. So for instance, if you went two times your salary, the supplemental portion would be 100000 If you went 10 times, it would be $500,000. I also want to kind of caution you, generally, after a certain multiplier of your salary, there's going to be an evidence of insurance that you're going to need to supply. And that could be a simple form to fill out, 
based on your medical history, or it could be a formal medical exam. And again, that's dependent on the agreement and or the provider who is providing the life insurance. Similarly, there could be a voluntary, they call it AD&D, accidental death and dismemberment. So if there is an accidental death or there's a dismemberment, then this insurance you know, would apply. And again, some employers provide you know, one times or so the multiplier and then some other ones would allow you to participate and pay up to 10 times. Same rules apply. You could uh, be subject to evidence of insurability. And then I'll go into some other um, coverages and I'm going to end probably on disability, which is one of the um, very, very important aspects that some people forego. So some of the miscellaneous coverages, group legal, um, where you can have access to an attorney or use an attorney for certain things versus, you know, you having to call um, someone out of a phone book. Identity theft coverage, you know, they would provide you, again, you're paying for these uh, services through your payroll deduction, but they would give you access to identity theft services. Critical illness, and this is common. It's very similar to AFLAC or something like that you see on the street or you see an advertisement. And critical illness where you would pay a certain amount per month and if there was a critical illness situation, they would pay you based on their metrics. So I'm just going to give you a random kind of thought. So say that someone has cancer, you know, after they have their group policy and they pick the critical illness component. Well, there could be a metric there where if you are able to validate and substantiate that you have cancer, they'll pay you, you know, $100 or whatever the figure is that they come up with. Usually it's more than $100, but I'm just kind of giving you an example. Some of the other critical illness uh, situations are heart attack, stroke, etc. And so again, with all of these coverages, I would encourage you to get with your financial planner to determine what is in your best interest. And I'm going to end, like I said before, on disability. Any client or anyone that I meet, we're going through benefits. I always encourage them to get disability insurance. And disability insurance is broken up into two components. It is broken up into short-term disability. And it's also broken up into long-term disability. Disability normally will pay 60 to 80% of your salary. And I want to make some very, very clear distinctions in regards to group benefits that I've seen and um, consulted clients on. So if you are making a salary of $50,000 and you get bonuses in the amount of another, say, $10,000, normally the disability insurance is only going to cover your salary. It's not going to necessarily cover any bonuses. I would carefully read the fine print for any disability insurance that you select. So again, short-term disability, and there is some variability on here, but there's an elimination period, and it could be anywhere from seven to 90 days, and it usually covers somewhere in the neighborhood of three to six months. I've seen up to a year, and I've seen um, some variations you know, one to two years. So there is some slight variation. 
And generally, long-term disability has a longer window of an elimination period. It's normally some months, maybe up to 120 months or something like that. That's really kind of designed. So if you have a short-term situation, you're not going to need long-term care. So it's prudent to have both short-term and long-term because if you have a situation to where your short-term disability runs out, it could convert over to long-term care. Some examples of short-term, and I don't necessarily like to say disability, but what I've seen, if you are a lady that uh, is having a child and um, you have a C-section where you're out for, say, eight weeks or longer, 12 weeks, because you're recovering from a C-section, you can you know, have short-term disability and it will, you know, pay for that time off. And that's outside of the window of any uh, maternity benefits that you get. And so I want to just make sure that I'm clear on disability. So having short-term and long-term disability is great. One of the best protectors of your income, if you have a sudden illness or something like that, is having a disability policy. Imagine this, that you have that same $50,000 salary, but you have a sudden illness and you are unable to work. And let's just say we're going to fall into the realm of six months. And so without disability, short-term disability insurance, you go day one without having any coverage or any income. And that day one up to the six-month mark, you have no income. Conversely, if you have short-term disability, once you have gone beyond your elimination period, you draw income. And the income is, like I said, anywhere from 60 to 80% of your income before. And generally, it's based on your salary. And if you have long-term disability, it further extends that out if your short-term situation turns into a long-term situation. So I'm going to just touch one more thing that I missed is flexible spending account. And sometimes it's called uh, a lose it or use it or lose it account. And you put money into an account for qualified medical expenses and you generally have to use them within that year. And whatever money you do not use, you will lose it. And it's different than the health savings account. And the flexible spending account is not designed to be used with a high deductible healthcare uh, medical plan. So just give you a, a little difference there. These are some of the things that I do with clients, specifically grieving clients on a regular basis. I really want to make sure that we get after their benefits and they're comfortable with their benefits very quickly. One of the other things, too, that we do is once we go through their benefits and say they have a spouse um, that has passed away or they are divorced or some situation that leads to grief, we quickly get a handle on their cash flow situation. So say, for instance, they were paying for benefits for a spouse who is no longer in the picture. What we can do is we can reallocate the savings that the client is getting, and we can put those toward the client's 401k or some other saving mechanisms. So Again, I would encourage you to get with your financial planner to work through some of those nuances. 
And I hope that answers some questions. There were some questions that I've been getting from some listeners, and I just want to put that briefly together. If you have any other questions or concerns, please feel free to reach out to me. Love answering any more questions. And thanks for listening to the podcast. I'd love for you to subscribe on Apple Podcast or Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And please feel free to pass this podcast on or any other one to any friends, family members, or colleagues. Be well. Thanks for listening. See you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you are a client and are looking to work directly with me, Chris, and or my firm, head on over to Life After Grief FP. That is Life After Grief FP. The FP is for financial planning.com. If you are an advisor looking to emotionally and financially work with your client in grief, or if you are a client looking to get your advisor's head in the game, head on over to lifeaftergriefconsulting.com. That is lifeaftergriefconsulting.com. Any information referenced in this week's podcast will be located here in the podcast section. And as always, please feel free to share this week's podcast with any friend, family member, or colleague. Thanks for listening. See you next week on the next episode.